0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. Today, we speak to Ibrahim Sani and Lukman Harris, and Astro Awani and host of the Tiber podcast, as we have a discussion with them on the evolving role of the newsroom following the latest report from the Reuters Oxford Institute for the Study of Journalism about the growing role of digital influencers in breaking and shaping news. Welcome, gentlemen. You know, according to this report, 55% of TikTok and Snapchat users and 52% of Instagram users get their news from personalities versus 33 to 40% from mainstream. Is this a countdown to the end of traditional media? It, that,
1: that's why we started a multi-platform role because it's not enough for us to just read out the news or just inform people about the news. It's now inevitable that we have to step into the role of commentary, whether or not we like it. Uh, and of course, the idea here is to see how we can bring our ideas as being a key opinion leaders ourselves. And that's why the uh, p- multi-platform approach is there, where we are on podcast, like for instance Tiber, where we are on TikTok, where it's on my personal account, or when it's on on Twitter. But we have to choose our audience very clearly like for me for some reason I, I for the love of my life I can't grow IG the way say for instance Lokman can but my Twitter uh, followers are still growing so you, you have to first understand the audience and why they're there and for me it's not just about me telling people what is happening around the world or what is happening around the country and what is happening in the business world it's also what my take is and sometimes I get into hot soup because I have a hot take but that is okay because people still want to hear what I think about what's happening
2: I, I don't think it's the, the erosion of trust in traditional media. It's just the way in which people are consuming the news. It's just the change in consumption. So to write on what uh, Ibrahim said, that's why, I mean, in our day jobs, we work on TV. So we do notice that there's a certain segment of the audience who is loyal, uh, but it is a dwindling. So we have started a multi-platform content offering. We have started a podcast called Tiber, T-I-B-E. At the start, we didn't even expect it to have that kind of reach, you know. So I think if you see the report by Reuters, sources of news, 86% percent top is still online and followed by 67% to 74% actually social media so there are people who are consuming news still there are still people who trust in the news organizations it's just that the way they consume the news produced by the news organizations have changed. So that's why you see an, an increase in the trend of social media consumption, but that is is still beat by people who consume news through online, meaning through the websites and portals
0: of traditional news organizations instead of on TV. So you, you bring up two very distinct points, right? One is that the formats are evolving and changing very fast. And I grant that, right, that's really important. But the more interesting point that both of you brought up was that the content now is actually shifting right from pure facts to now incorporating opinions, your personal thoughts into it. You're kind of injecting personality into the whole mix again and i wonder whether or not this opinion your perspectives right takes place at an individual level or at the broader enterprise level because if you look at in the likes of the uk or in the united states traditional media is to a certain extent still doing pretty well simply because they've created polarization simply because they've taken opinions and applied the enterprise you compare fox versus msnbc is that the way forward then No.
1: Uh, because what's happening in the US and the UK is actually quite different from what's happening here in this country mm. and this part of the world in Asia. While we see the mainstream media in the Western uh, or the North, uh, Global North, it's actually quite doing well, it's not flourishing. Uh, mm. In the end, it's still Meta and Google that takes uh, most of the ad cash, right? And that's why the whole idea of journalists are out and influencers are in is still there. Content creators are the new media and it has been there for a while. It's just being validated by the Reuters uh, analysis like this. Influencers are are responsive to communities that mainstream media has long ignored and that's why we're looking at these kind of uh, outlet where while we are mainstream media we are also trying to present ourselves at an individual level to respond to the communities that we're building like I said we need to know which communities that we are at I am at Twitter and therefore my community is there Loman may or may not be on Twitter uh, but his community is on uh, uh, IG that's for sure and that's why we engage in the public in a way where many traditional media including our employees
2: do not necessarily engage in. Look, I, no, I'm i not as deliberate as Ibrahim. I mean, I don't actually have a plan as to the content that I want to post on certain platforms mm. to gain followers and things like that. I'm just, I'm just being myself on social media. So if I get followers, then great. If I don't, then it's not the end of the world. But I think it's about uh, relatability. So you see the advent or the rise of influencers. More and more people now go to influencers, uh, social figures, KOLs, whatever you want to call them for news. They're the new sources of news because you see the way that the mainstream media have, uh, has been you know covering news, it's very impersonal. It's very generic sometimes. So it's just reporting the news as is. Whereas these influencers actually put themselves in the shoes of their followers. Like what Ibrahim said. Let's say this right. influencer A has this group of people as her followers. Influencer B has this group of people as his followers. So they go into the shoes of those people. They relate the news in a way that those audiences can understand. So yeah. people, they, they would want to follow these influencers more because they get the news filtered through their perspective. And uh, that's
1: why, it, yeah. And that's why when we present house view of say the house of Awani's view, it's normally very institutional. It's very establishment kind of driven. Yeah. Um, and you would very rarely see. In fact, I've never thought of uh, say Lokman and I disagree on a house view level. But yeah. when we do our podcast, for instance, on Tiber, it's like quite naturally yeah. Lokman and I will sit on opposite ends to a point where it gets very brutal and the gloves are off. But
0: right. that's where it's entertaining, it's isn't it? That's where that's where it's powerful, isn't it? Where different yeah. opinions can clash and you know you have that quality conversation takes place, right? Right.
2: Yeah, but it's also, it's also a double-edged sword. As you, as we've seen on uh, during GE15, you, you've seen political parties and coalition actually paying influencers to forward their narratives. So they are actually using this. They are well aware that these influencers have followers, very loyal mm. followers who are very... Li- themselves, the influencers are very relatable to followers. So they tap on this to actually push narratives. And the bad thing is, these influencers would just actually pay anything, or do anything for cash, regardless of whether they believe or not in, in the things that they are peddling. And that's why... I- our
1: view is a little bit more appreciative than for instance former politicians doing their own gig right <laughs> despite them getting all oh, that right. it's just their fault following me. them but for us the quality of our followers is actually quite there Loman uh, alluded to about 60,000 followers today are following us on our podcast but the mainstream media still presents that whole baseline to where the conversation so when we go on, on air this is the baseline this is the policy of the government for instance on education on healthcare and whatever and then we follow through our conversation on on our air other platforms like our podcast and we present our take on it where we may or may not agree on the policy or we have a hot take on it. Sure. Man and I would probably have a, an agreement. Very rarely we agree together but almost
0: certainly we disagree on Grudgingly agreement. And I guess the question though is that the observation here is that because it becomes more personality driven, what attracts people is that it makes it personal, you have more narrative driven, it's more visual led, right? More punchline driven, right? As opposed to perhaps just stating blatant facts or going into the deep insights and data analysis which can be Turn off for many listeners, isn't it?
1: It's not a bad thing for us to turn off some listeners. It's really not a bad thing because when you talk about mainstream media, you have to appeal to everyone or nearly everyone. Yeah. When you talk about co KOL or Key Opinion Leaders, it is in a way risking ourselves to be in an echo chamber, but at the same time, we get a deeper engagement to the communities that we are reaching out. Say for instance, uh, Phil, your talk sets in the morning, for instance. You have three or four, or five personalities. There are people that are listening into BFM in the morning, driving to work, despite with the advent of Spotify or any other streaming uh, uh, services that can be found uh, on your phone and then you know, broadcasted on Bluetooth on your uh, car, they still listen to the talk sets because they appeal to the two or three or four individuals on the talk sets at the morning run. The same thing with us. They turn on Esrawani, they look at the news. They're okay. We we are vanilla kind of presenters. But at the same time, what more can we do to engage with the communities that we're building? And that is the one that we're appealing to. And if it means filtering out people that might not necessarily agree with us, then so be it. Because
2: this, my friends, is what new media is all about. Because because it's important also for people to feel that they have a voice. So it's important that different groups of people who have different priorities, different worldviews, have representation in the media. So for example, on our podcast, Ibrahim represents this very Wall Street, BFM listening, edge reading kind of people's view on certain issues, whereas I'm more inclined towards the normal, you know, B40, M40, Belay, Awani watching audience. And they Bangi approach. dwellers. Bangi dwellers, yes, proud of it. Uh, they uh, approach and they have a different worldview. They, they, they read the news, they perceive the news in a very different way. So again, what well, like Ibrahim said, it's important for us to just tap on certain segments and it's okay if we turn off some uh, uh, viewers, no. some listeners because each segment has to feel that they have a voice out there because this is key in the trust towards media organisations whether mainstream or fringe. How often do we hear ourselves nodding
1: to an agreement that was presented by a key opinion leader? How often? Yep. And how often have we shaken our heads and said, you know, I disagree with this person. Right. And what's more important... I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to put an IG story on it. I'm going to reach out to these individuals directly. It's very, people can reach out to KOLs directly now. So that point of engagement is what we want. We want people to be
0: involved in the world that's happening around. I think the format of engagement sounds really important, right? It's very important to find a platform which can house the differing views. The problem sometimes is that some of these other social platforms create echo chambers. So it's very cool that, you know, Astro Awani has a platform where differing views can come in and descend and create that texture and thought process and makes it engaging. The problem when you go through social media is that the influencers create their own echo chambers. That is the danger, isn't it? That people live in their own warped world without being open to yep, different yep, ideas. Yep, yep.
2: It's, it's how the algorithms work. I know literally how the algorithms work. It's not. It's, this is an open secret because if, let's say it's your Facebook feed. You will follow the people that most probably you would agree with and it will uh, read and perceive what uh, your, your preferences, what your dislikes, uh, what your likes are. So it will show you more of that content because uh, social media companies, they only care about engagement. They only care about screen time. So they want to keep you on that screen, on that platform as long as possible. So they're going to show you as many or as much content that you would like. So it's not just in terms of products or ads, but also views, you know, opinions, uh, political stories. So you will see more of the story that you actually agree with and you will have a sense that everyone else around the world has the same view as me. okay that's the the danger there. So that's the echo chamber.
1: Harkening back to what this Uh, conversations all about with you Phil this morning is that we're talking about brand trust scores We present news as is. No adulteration, no commentary. This is what's happening. Like it or not, this, you have to deal with this kind of information. But the trust is being built because we are presenting our own take on it on another platform, on our own. It's enforcing, yeah. And if it means creating that echo chamber, that just deepens and entrenches the trust that the individuals
0: have with the personality. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, that's a good thing. But just to push back on that, right? I mean, the key is that there is a format that basically presents the data. And within the subsets, there are these mini echo chambers that come through, right? Where people resonate and connect with. So you can still go back to the core facts. It's just that they're little echo chambers for you to enter down, right? So that's very different from perhaps other formats.
1: Yeah, that's why, for instance, Lokman and I did this podcast when we talk about we talk about interns. Lokman's view, which I guess is not wrong, I guess. Uh, Internship is about part and parcel of of the training process, okay? That's why the interns should feel some form of a gratitude towards uh, being able to intern at an organisation. I, on the other hand, argue that capitalistic notion. The intern is churning out an economic good that essentially is beneficial to the bottom line of the organisation. The commercial entity is able to extract commercial value from this resource, despite what the intentions of this resource may be. Mm. And therefore, the commercial entity must compensate for the intern, despite the fact that interns are not technically employers as as, uh, 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 enshrined
0: in the Employees Act. We're heading to some messages and we come back, we continue our discussion with Ibrahim Sunny and Lukman Harris from Awani. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, I'm speaking to Ibrahim Sunny and Lukman Harris and Co-op Awani and host of the Tiber Podcast. You know, gentlemen, I want to reflect on the creation of news and opinion. You know, is it worthwhile studying journalism? Because it seems like everyone is able to generate news. Is it worthwhile still having a career I've never studied journalism. Not nearly Why did a... I? So, no, not did
2: you, Phil? That... Come on. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not important, but I'm I'm just saying that uh, if you didn't study journalism, doesn't mean that you can, but you can't be a good journalist, as you've pointed out, Phil, just now. So, I mean paper qualification can only uh, go so far uh, because the story is out there as long as you approach it uh, fairly in a balanced way impartial way and you invite as we always do on the podcast we invite uh, dissenting voices people with different opinions people who represent different segments of societies and world views people will, will have the certain, uh, that certain level of respect and trust towards you because they, they know that you're approaching one particular issue or a number of particular issues that you're discussing in a balanced and, and holistic way and will continue to do that uh, hang on you're not
1: defined by your first degree clearly okay. um, Yeah. The, the the classical example is that we have other people now not studying journalism and now doing journalism but it works the other way around Michael Moritz one of the co-founders of Sequoia Capital he studied journalism he studied history he studied English albeit at Oxford but he is a billionaire because he became a VC he, he has poor numerical acumen he has poor financial uh, and business acumen but he understands the thought process of individuals wanting products. And services, he became a VC. He became a billionaire. He is the classic example of he can go the other way around. One can study journalism, but be something else. And the three of us here are the other way, the opposite way. We studied something else, and we're now doing
0: journalism. So it, it really is not defined by your first degree. And if you reflect back right on, I think talk about how Awani, I found that sweet spot in able to get your listeners engaged. I wonder if also it's a matter of timing because in this country you see this revolving door of governments coming through, so people are just more open or just are hungry for real facts, but also need to temper with opinion. Whereas In our part of the world, you have the likes of online-only new media organisations like the Vibes Malaysia, Kini, Free Malaysia Today. Do you think where you are now, where the development of the media industry is a response to the current changing political climate that's really moved very fast in the past three to four years?
2: Well, I think we were lucky to have had GE14, not because of who you support or because of the result, because it basically was the starting point of a freer media, better freedom of speech, better freedom of the press in Malaysia. Now, the progress has not been as free line but the general trend has been very positive. There have been a few changes in uh, government since then but I think since 2018 we never looked back. It has been a bit sporadic. It has not been very smooth but I think we are at a much better place. So th- that's one. I-, I don't think we are responsive. I think we just talk about the what the country talks about at, at the moment and I-, I think you pointed out to some online portals. I-, I mean it's easy for anyone to say that this portal or that channel has a certain agenda. It's leading a a certain party, but uh, I see a lot of online portals tend to Cue towards their audience, the more liberal, the more urban dwelling people, and their worldviews. I think that that's an open secret, which is I think what has made Awani stand out, which is thankfully resulted in us keeping our place as the number one most trusted brand. Because I think if you watch Awani uh, on any given day, you can see any point of view. I think I think you know a uh, conservative point of view, a very liberal point of view. What he said, what she said. So we try to cover as much as we can. So I guess that should be the mantra moving forward for you to keep people's trust in media organizations. Uh, and I do believe that the trust is still there. It's going to be there. But it's just how they consume the news. is That's that's changing. So that we have to adapt to that. We are reactive to that rather than the basic principles of journalism. Overall trust score in
1: 2017 uh, was 29% for Malaysians on the propor- proportion of people that trust most news most of the time. GE14 GE happened and later on GE15 happened. That overall trust score went up to 40%, from 29% six years ago to 40%. In fact, year on year, 22 versus 23, it is up 4 percentage point. And the reason is because there is an optimism felt that with the new government promising some reforms, news organizations and the KOLs that follow through with it is actually able to elucidate and present their own views on these kind of policies. There's trust when it comes to opinion leaders. What Logman said was, how do we evolve? Okay, print has dropped from 45% six years ago to 19%. Nobody reads papers anymore. But what's more important is that TV has dropped as well from 57% to 46%. And that's why Astrawani has to rely on the two other elements that is growing, which is social media from 67% to 74% and online from 86% to 89%. So Astrawani, to be dubbed as a TV channel is no longer accurate. We are an omni-channel platform where we rely on online, TV and social media in step. And in tandem with what the consumption
0: of media is going to be like, so that's why we are not only there everywhere; we are there in a trusted way. Can I just build on this whole point about social media? They're not all the same, isn't it? If you look at Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, not all social media is the same, isn't it? They all have different levels of trust. I think that's one of the key distinctions. How do you determine, in uniquely in Malaysia, which elements of social media platforms are trusted? Because TikTok penetration in Malaysia is one of the highest, right? Adoption for news in Malaysia is at twenty-four percent. So. Which social media platforms really are effective here in dissemination of news?
1: Look, uh, for me, I find Facebook untrustworthy. But for my extended family in Jasin, Malacca, they consume... Only Facebook and therefore Facebook to them the source is of truth. trusted. Mm-hmm. So it's really a misstep for us to classify this uh, social media versus that social media is more trustworthy than ever. It's yeah. actually where you are at, geographically speaking, where you are at, demographically speaking, and of course, psychographically speaking, how do you want to consume and who do you share the news with? Yeah. That's yeah. why it's also important for us to understand Malaysia is so diverse. Sarawak is not like Sumnanjong, even within Sumnanjong, Tranganu versus Joho. Both of them may be conservative if you color it the way, say, for instance, a, a government school would rule like the Kuan Yew Government School, the way they are conservative are extremely different from
2: Johor Tengganu to Klantan. So I think it comes back to the eco-chamber concept, right? I mean, it, it depends on what your vo- worldview is, what your preferences are, or what your way of life is. So each of these platforms caters to different worldviews, different way of looking at things. So this is what the political parties and coalitions are actually tapping on. They're looking at, okay, this is where our audience is. Our audience is on TikTok. So let's go big on TikTok. Our audience is on Twitter. Let's go big on Twitter. And I think this further highlights the importance of having mainstream media organizations because we try to cater to all. Like uh, Ibrahim said just now, it's very vanilla. We try to not offend anyone. We try to give something, offer something for everyone. So we are still, I think, the North Star in terms of how uh, the news should be reported, how issues should be Mm. talked about because we don't segment ourselves to a certain segment of society to be popular so uh, again the trust is there and I think it will always be there people will always want news news is not going to die it's just Despite how you consume it. not news. one thing too that's the funny <laughs> no. part they say they don't want but they consume yeah it's just it's how you consume the news it's just how you read it it's just how you uh, watch it it's just how you listen mm. to it that's going to change and uh, media organisations including Icerawani including BFM including everyone that's what we have to adapt because I think whatever comes news is evergreen people will always need and will always mm. want news but it's just how they're consuming it. And, and then how we follow through in engaging
0: with the communities that we're building. Yeah, it is two things, right? It's that changing formats. It's also adding texture, which also incorporates opinion moving forward.
2: Yes, yes. I think I think one of the reasons is I, I consciously want to reach people who I don't reach on Sroa One. So I guess that's just the best way to describe it for me because it's not to push my views or my preferences, but to deliver them the news to ensure that we make them aware of balanced, fair, impartial, holistic discussions. any given topic and try to make it reach as many people as possible because we know we're not under any issues we know that uh, some people a lot of people don't listen or don't watch Astro Awani so I think one of the reasons why we started Podcastable was to reach out to those people to say to them hey this is what's happening in your country you better know about this Mm -hmm. for you to make a better decision so I see it as as a national service at the end of the day
1: people still tune in to get the watershed moment to get the final count of a particular election get confirmation on a personality who passed away to get confirmation on the deal that the government has struck with another government for instance that is not going away anytime soon Mm. but the daily consumption the daily understanding of how the world works the daily engagement with the communities it can't possibly happen on a mainstream media because of the fact that these uh, mainstream media might not necessarily resonate with the communities that they're trying to engage that has to follow through into our other platforms so omni multi-platform has to be there in order for us to as to put uh, to use your words uh, phil put texture and color to the story and the reach to reach out to the other segments that might not necessarily want to watch, say, for instance, TV or Astro uh, right now.
0: That was Ibrahim Sunny and Lukman Harris from Astro One. E. This has been pressing matters on the morning run. Coming up next is a 10 a.m. news bulletin, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.